Is account-based marketing ready for its close-up? Account-based marketing, in which marketers work together with the rest of the organization to identify accounts that are likely to have the most profitable impact on their business, has been gaining ground within the B2B fields for the past few years. It's little wonder. Simple implementing an ABM strategy can bolster marketing ROI, drive attributed revenue, generate more conversions and qualified leads, and perhaps most important, align sales with marketing. The appetite for ABM among B2B brands is certainly growing. According to a recent Terminus survey of 1,000 B2B companies, nearly 90% of the respondents agree that augmenting traditional lead-based strategies with a focus on account-based strategies is the best way to generate maximum revenue. But many marketers are having a tough time ramping up, with more than half of the survey respondents saying they are, in the, they are still in the early stages of integrating ABM. Perhaps B2B companies struggle with leveraging ABM because it requires a much different approach than traditional B2B sales and marketing, starting with a departure from the spray and pray campaigns that remain the default key for many B2B brands looking to fill the sales funnel. In contrast, account-based marketing presents a legitimate opportunity for CMOs to improve their value and plays into many of the business goals and objectives that, that the C-suite is increasingly demanding from marketers namely adding to the top and bottom lines. Here to discuss account-based marketing is Danny Nell, Director of Global ABM and Center of Excellence Leader at Salesforce, and Gemma Davies, Head of Global ABM and Executive Engagement at ServiceNow, a software as a service platform that helps companies manage digital workflows. Welcome to you both. Gemma, I'd like first like to start with you uh, by asking, how do B2B marketers define account-based marketing? Thank you so much, Matt and team, for having us on today. So there's a, there's a, a lot of, of great debate around how do we define account-based marketing. Um, there's some fantastic analogies. Um, when you think about traditional marketing mindset, it's really about um, engaging and, and trying to capture as many people as you can. There's a great analogy by Engager where they talk about general demand gen is like fishing with a net. You're really trying to go uh, after as many people as possible. Whereas when you think about ABM, it's really about more fishing um, with a sphere. So it's much more strategic. It requires much more planning, patience, and precision when you're really trying to specifically target an account. At ServiceNow, when we define account-based marketing, for us, it's about um, targeting and, and treating an account as a market of one. And this means that we only have 100 accounts in the program that ultimately receive true ABM treatment. Danny, how do you define ABM? And in terms that are applicable to a wide range of vertical markets, whether tech, manufacturing, or industrial? Well, a lot of what Gemma just said is totally on point and I completely agree with. Um, as we look at the accounts that we are going to serve in our account-based marketing program um, at Salesforce, we do a lot of one-to-one -one and a little one-to-few. Um, we don't, really don't call the one-to-many ABM. Um, when we look at it, we, we think about um, what are we doing with this program? If it is focused on the account and is it, if it is um, focus on either reputation, relationship, or revenue with a specific account um, and not just driving leads, then that's a good indicator that it could be ABM. Um, if sales is highly involved, 
So we, we've cons we consider the involvement of sales um, as a, a requirement for an ABM program and have to work closely with them to make sure that we get their view of the account, but also give them a view of the account from an external viewpoint. And with sales and marketing, I want to come back to that in, in a bit, of course, but ABM is not exactly novel as we had been discussing uh, before we went live here, but the pandemic and perhaps even before the pandemic, uh, it seems to have sort of flipped a switch. Uh, more and more salespeople are now working with customers and prospects from home instead of in person. So my question, Danny, is do you see ABM finally getting on the fast track industry-wide or continuing in this sort of incremental mode? No, I think that um, with, the, the, with the pandemic came the need to really figure out how we can give this, the accounts um, a more tailored approach and how sales can can reach into them in a more um, specific way. So account-based marketing really became a focus. Um, in fact, at the time of the, the start of the pandemic, I was with a different company and our goal was to triple the number of accounts that were being served by ABM in America um, with at least an ABM light touch. Um, we wanted to make sure that they were still feeling um, the love of the company and make sure that those companies um, that we were targeting were um, tailored, tater, catered to um, via tailored content and via tailored experiences, whether they be online or whether it be content that we served into them um, through, different, through, through different methods. So uh, it did definitely um, accelerate ABM, I think. And I feel like um, just the activity I've seen in account-based marketing in the last couple of years because of the pandemic and, and other things as well. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been around for a while, but it's really showing um, great results and great um, promise. So executives at companies are also starting to understand it more and therefore they're, they're looking to invest more in it. So a lot more companies are starting to do account-based marketing, not just the high-tech companies, but companies that um, are B2B are really looking at it um, more strategically. And Gemma, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned the 80-20 rule as it pertains to account-based marketing. Can you unpack that in terms yeah. of nurturing and growing ABM accounts? Absolutely. So for those that, that may not be aware for context, the 80-20 the principle is a principle that essentially asserts that 80% of outcomes or outputs, let's say, result from 20% of all causes or inputs. Um, when we think about how this applies to ABM and in that context, 80% of your business probably comes from approximately 20% of your customers. So when we think about the application of programs, it makes sense and, and why we build ABM is on this premise that some small percentage of customers are going to be way more valuable than others to your business. So why not um, put the resources, the effort, the expense into pursuing those much larger accounts um, for that kind of greater impact along the line? And we, we're now year four on our journey at ServiceNow and, and we consistently um, demonstrate how that uh, principle comes to life through the work that we do and the, the work that we're working on with some of our largest and most complex clients globally. And you also mentioned the importance of qualifications in deciding which accounts are right for ABM. So how do marketers build a criterion to determine uh, who's best for selection? 
Yeah, I'll take a first stab at this, but I'd love to get Danny's view. I think this is every ABM around the world, no matter what level or how experienced you are, um, struggles with and will recognize the importance of making sure you select the right accounts for any ABM program, especially when you're investing a large amount of resources, whether that be headcount, budget, leveraging other teams or um, other resources to support a truly customer centric model. It's you need to make sure that not only do you have the right accounts, but you have the right account teams that support those accounts for the program to be most successful. Um, we look at a number of different factors when we're selecting accounts from looking at kind of marketing imperatives and attributes. Um, where is the market going? What are the things um, that accounts are going to need to do and, and how are they going to react and respond to change? And then we also look at behavioral characteristics. Um, are these customers already committed to a longer term investment and journey with us? Uh, are they looking to transform in the areas where we excel? And can the services that we provide support them on their own growth journey and ambitions? And they're all really good indicators to like that this could be a really great account um, for this level of, of investment. Um, but in some cases, actually, it may just be an account that you need to retain as an organization, that it must be a, a logo that you absolutely cannot afford to lose. So your job is to really support the advocacy and the adoption of the services that you're selling. Or it could be a brand new logo that you've been dying to win and get onto the books for a number of years. But it, these, these attributes that you use to qualify accounts in really need to tie back to the imperatives of the business. What is your business trying to drive and, and how can the ABM program support those objectives and, and those goals? Um, because this is a marathon and not a sprint. So you need to make sure that the whole business is on board with the direction and the account selection from day one. Danny, what's your take on qualifications and the uh, strategies or distinguishing characteristics needed to find or, or look at existing accounts and see if they have promise? If you think about it, you're going to be treating these accounts very, very specifically and specially. So they're going to get a lot of special treatment. They're going to get a lot of focus. Um, they're going to get a lot of resource. So they definitely have to be accounts that are either engaged um, so we use a lot of the data that we have within our own systems to determine the level of engagement of the account, as well as the level of engagement of the executives at the account. We also look at what our sellers are, are focused on, as well as what our sales leaders are focused on. Um, I, and I, Jim mentioned that as the imperatives of the, of the company. We look at that from an internal viewpoint, as well as the accounts themselves, uh, a viewpoint of their imperatives and where they're headed. So we look at the both an internal external view of the accounts, as well as making sure we understand the level of engagement we're gonna get from the sales teams. Um, and, and how they're going to interact with marketing and how we're going to team together and partner together to, to serve an account, a good journey and a good ABM journey and a good sales journey together. Um, because at the end of the day, the whole goal is to take the customer from a lead all the way to becoming an advocate of our, our services. So we want to make sure that we not only work with sales, but we work with sales through to the customer to work with the customer to actually build some of the programs that we're building. Um, because if we can get their 
their marketing teams and their brand teams involved and their executives involved in the actual build of the program, then we know that we're on the right track and we're developing the trust that we need to develop with them. We now take a break for a brief message regarding the ANA Growth Agenda. The ANA Growth Agenda plays an important role in boosting the value of the marketing and advertising industries. The 12 point plan supports a wide range of issues that are critical to the development of CMOs and marketers, ranging from diversity, equity, and inclusion to sustainability to brand safety. For more information, please visit ana.net slash growth agenda. And now back to our show. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Danny Nell, Director of Global ABM at Salesforce, and Gemma Davies, Head of Global ABM and Executive Engagement at ServiceNow, about how B2B marketers can strength strengthen their account-based marketing efforts. Uh, we need to talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room, sales and marketing alignment, which has been a chronic challenge for many B2B brands and organizations, as you well know. So regardless of their ABM efforts, uh, we're putting ABM aside for a moment. My question is, Gemma, do companies first need to get their sales and marketing house in order to grow their ABM efforts? Can you have one without the other? Yeah, it's a great point. So sales and marketing alignment is the absolute cornerstone of ABM success. Um, when I think about how this applies to ServiceNow, and I, I think about our purpose as an account-based marketing team, really our job is to help curate and deliver the most high-impact, customer-centric, personalized experiences that ultimately help our sales team close larger deals faster. That is super compelling to a sales team, um, but that's just the start of the journey. What has been really critical in a building and, and growing that alignment is really how ABM is helping to center everything we do at ServiceNow around a customer-centric value model. And that not only involves our sales team, that also involves our customer success team. It involves our product uh, line or our solution line sales teams. It involves our industry go-to-market teams. It involves value consulting and, and so on. So when I think about ABM as... Uh, as a driver for that and an enabler for it, there are kind of a few key points that uh, we do to enable that. So number one is we help provide insights into a customer and account that salespeople may not have had access to previously. So we're bringing value immediately to the table. We are helping them better understand their customer and better serve their customer. So again, we're actually like a, a lever to our sales teams to increase the value they can bring a customer, which ultimately will result in that. I remember a couple of years ago at a sales kickoff, our chief revenue officer at the time saying to our sales team, when you get access to the ABM program, you know you're at the peak of your career as a sales leader because you are working on some of the largest, most complex and most exciting accounts. And we are giving you access to a team of people who are going to help you create the best marketing um, experiences for these customers. And we're going to help you realize and, and maximize the most value. And so I think it's a, a really exciting time. It is critical I don't think it necessarily has to be in place before you start. I actually think some companies are using it as a way to strengthen and, and build alignment. Um, but I think it's an area that is absolutely critical for the program. And, and as an ABM leader, you have to make sure you have a plan around it. And you absolutely have to have a relationship with the chief revenue officer, with the sales leadership team to help drive the buy-in and to run any escalations past. Um, because as I say, we're investing tons of resources and tons of budget in making this work. And we need to make sure 
sure that it's a partnership, that it's not just the ABM team or the marketing team doing all the heavy lifting, that it truly is a partnership between sales and marketing. There's one thing that you know uh, when it's worked. And um, this morning we were celebrating some highlights and one of our ABM leaders was actually given an award um, as part of an award for our most successful account for the last year. And they handed her this award in recognition of her contributions. So she was not just a service to that account. She was a member of the team that helped close the largest deal in Europe last year. And that is so exciting. And that absolutely proves that she's demonstrated and has that relationship and that alignment at the most strategic level. Okay. And that's a really valid point you make about uh, that uh, ABM could be the ultimate excuse for sales and marketing teams uh, that uh, up till now have been operating in silos. And again, this could be uh, maybe the big blow up, if you will. Danny, is successful ABM predicated on sales and marketing alignment? Uh, do you think this is a case in which both sides may ultimately need a shove from the C-suite and maybe even changes in compensation and or commission to spur real change? It is absolutely um, 100, 1,000% necessary for sales and marketing to team together for a successful ABM program to, to work. I mean, sales is, is like, they're, they're the linchpin into the account. They're the ones who have the relationship. Um, we are working with them to um, help build that relationship. One of the things that, um, as Jim mentioned earlier, you, you want to bring sales kind of gifts, if you will, um, to help them with the account. And I think that one of the things that um, ABM can bring to a sales team that they don't normally get is very strategic and focused positioning and messaging toward that specific account that can be utilized by the sales team in a long-term play so that, that that company, because if you think about the size of the companies that are typically in an ABM program, they're very large. Um, they've got a number of executives that have to um, buy in. So it's a large buying group. That buying group has to has to get the same message on a consistent basis um, from the sales team. And, and that's one of the things that market, marketing can do and, and does do is bring a consistent positioning and messaging framework to a sales team that, to work with their account. It is also imperative to have the sales executives buy-in. Um, when we do our account selection every year, um, we take the approval level all the way up to the top um, through the sales ranks to make sure that it is bought into from everybody from the seller all the way up. Um, if you don't have a, if you have a sales team that's just not engaging in an ABM program, that pro that is a good indicator that it's not going to be successful and the effort and resources that you're putting into that account are going to be wasted. Um, and that's not good for any ABM team. Um, it does not do our numbers any good. It doesn't do the sales team any good. So those kind of accounts you would want to remove from your program because they're gonna basically um, waste the resources that are available to them. So we look at the, the um, willingness of the teams to partner, the, the sales teams to partner, and it is a partnership. It's not, nobody really has to, uh, you know, you can tell that, um, nobody has to force this to happen. It will happen when it's right, and it will happen um, with the right accounts, and it, it, it'll be beneficial to both sets of both groups. But it seems like the onus is ultimately on the marketers 
to to make things happen to to light that spark correct um Gemma you're nodding your head am, no. am I wrong, <laughs> For am me, I wrong? yeah at our, our top most strategic level it has to be a joint partnership and um, I think it kind of leads into the, the next topic that we've been discussing around like what, what are those kind of core attributes, but honestly it has to be a partnership as Danny said it has, there has to be an equal accountability at both sides, because sometimes there can be a perception that this ABM comes in and is going to do all this work for you is going to order the swag is going to help run the EBC agenda etc. <clears throat> That is not the role of an ABM. An ABM is there to strategically help co-create a plan and support and enable the account team and the customer to be most successful along their journey. And the reason why I even say kind of co-create with the customer, 67% of our accounts right now, we are actually co-creating experiences and doing account planning with the customer, the ABM and the account team in the room together. So this isn't run in silo. This isn't just a service to sales. This is really this, a service to the customer with all of the most valuable levers across a business in service to that customer and available to help them be so successful on their service now journey. And so you have to, you have to agree that top down, you have to make sure there's that alignment and, and partnership up front. And it, we even do things at the beginning where we onboard account reps and we, we tell them what is expected of them. We, we let them know the time that it's going to take on them because they are going to have to give input that it is going to be um, have, they're going to have to invest time up front in the program. They're going to have to be available weekly for input um, and so on. And, and that is a lot. And so it's almost like virtual contracts that say these are the things I as an account executive sign up to do to make this a success. And if I don't, we will remove you from the program. We have okay. removed accounts because okay, of let, Okay, let's drill down there a little bit regarding measuring and optimizing ABM programs. What are the best practices and what should B2B marketers be aware of that they perhaps may not be considering as they start to cultivate these kinds of programs, Gemma? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, there's a great That's analogy. A That's yeah. the mantra? Okay. <laughs> There's a great analogy about you don't go on your first date and get married the next day. And it's exactly the same with ABM. Think of it as a process of dating. And then hopefully at the end, there is a, there is a marriage and a beautiful long-term partnership. Um, think about KPIs in two ways. What are the short-term key performance indicators that are good indicators of progress that should lead to the bigger outcomes that you're trying to deliver for the account? And these will be unique to the account. And then what are the long-term goals that indicate bigger success? Net promoter score, pipeline, revenue increase, deal acceleration, uh, number of executives and uh, customers engaging in, in programs, participation in annual conferences, and so on. Whereas your shorter KPIs could be things like, do we even have the right um, contacts in our CRM system for all the key decision makers and key influencers within the customer that we're trying to target? Um, are, we, are they engaging with campaigns? Do we have ways to engage them? What are their, their current views of us, et cetera? So it's really important to balance those across the journey so that you have the indicators of success and then the, the actual kind of bigger measures of, of impact further down your ABM journey. And Danny, as we start to wrap up, can you talk to measurement in the context of sharpening the overall ABM strategy? Sure. So first of all, I want to back up one little bit on something that um, Jimma talked about earlier. Um, 
as far as account, and and you mentioned it too, Matthew. Um, is it on the marketer to strike up the the conversation around ABM with the sales team, or how does that work? Um, as as we have shown um, good value to sales, in now they are coming to the table and wanting to work with marketing. So it doesn't have marketing doesn't have to start the conversation. And in some of our markets, we actually have the sales teams are now applying to be part of the ABM program. So they have to tell our marketers why they want to be in the program and what value it will bring to the company. Um, so when you have sales teams actually applying to be part of your program, that's when you know you're starting to make the kind of progress we wanna make. Now, as far as the, the KPIs and things to measure, we always look at it from the three R standpoint, revenue, reputation, and relationships. Um, revenue is a very self, I mean, that one you don't even have to talk about. We all know that we wanna drive revenue, um, but we also need to make sure that as we're thinking about our programs, um, the reputation and relationship with the customer has to also be something that's very important um, as we think about the journey that we're gonna take them on. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, the whole pro pro um, purpose of this program is not only to sell stuff to this customer, but it's to have them be as successful with the solution and have them be an advocate down the road. So we wanna make that relationship with sales turn into a relationship with the customer. And we want that relationship with the customer to be a long-term relationship and a good relationship. So as we look at the things that we're measuring, we're measuring engagement scores, we're measuring reputation like net promoter score and things like that. Um, we're benchmarking those things and then taking another view of them six months and 12 months down the road to make sure that we're having an impact. Um, so it, it don't just focus on revenue. I mean, that's one of the easier things to, to um, measure. It's one of the easier things to track. Um, we have a great dashboard at Salesforce that, where we track every account that's in the program and every campaign that goes into those accounts and what it drives. Um, but then on top of that, we also have to track the things that are less physical like reputation and relationship and making sure that our customers are happy with us and that they're being successful. Gemma, I'm gonna give you the last word. What do you think is most salient for B2B marketers and CMOs eager to strengthen their ABM? What's the urgency here? Yeah, scale. Danny mentioned it. Every single leader that Danny and I get the pleasure to talk with, they're all saying, how do we scale this? How do we justify more investment? And then how do we measure it? They are the three things. I know you asked for one, but they are the ultimate three things. And Danny's right. It comes back to uh, relationships, reputation, revenue. And it also comes back to making sure that whatever your program is, however you define ABM in your organization, you tie it back to the business imperatives that your uh, organization and your customers care about most because the reputation, the relationships, the revenue and the investments will follow. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, to learn more about uh, account-based marketing strategies, uh, please reach out to uh, Gemma Davies and Danny Nell via LinkedIn. And thanks so much to my guests today. Again, Danny Nell, Director of Global ABM and Center of Excellence Leader at Salesforce, and Gemma Davies, Head of Global ABM and Executive Engagement at ServiceNow. For the ANA Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Until next time, thanks for listening.